This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The forever voice and the greatest voice of the Washington Bullets, Washington Wizards history is Steve Buckhantz. Buck is jumping on with us right now, courtesy of our BetQL guest hotline, Bet Smarter Beat the Books. Download the BetQL app today or visit betql.com so you don't call the games anymore unfortunately with phil um it's now been a couple of years uh without the two of you uh and you've been greatly missed as you've heard many times over but i am curious because you grew up here and like me loved the bullets and loved the wizards and remember what it was at the cap center and what Abe did to bring it to uh, Chinatown to really resuscitate this city in so many ways. What are your thoughts on a day like today? Uh, Quite a firestorm that's going on around here. And it's been interesting for me to listen to the different opinions. Uh, As you said, Kevin, you know, I'm, well, first of all, I'm a little bit conflicted, uh, but I'm also biased because I not only was born in Washington, but raised in Arlington. So I'm, you know, Virginia guy my whole life. Right. You um, are a Virginia guy. Yeah. And, what was that pizza um, place you used to take us to that you swore by? Back in the day, it was Mario's in Arlington. Mario's. They still make a pretty good steak and cheese, although their pizza's gone way downhill. The best pizza over here okay. now is Andy's, which is over at Tyson's. Yeah, Andy's and is great. Andy's, Andy's is, is there great. There's a couple of D.C. locations. There's now yep. a Bethesda location. I like Andy's, too. Yeah. It's excellent. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, like you, Kevin, although I was I'm just up in New you, York, by the way. It's, it's excellent is a reach. It's really good for here. Well, no, I think it's actually very good. Now, look, I've been to Frank Pepe's in, in New Haven, Connecticut, yeah, which is always – that and Sally's are always listed as the number one pizza in the country, and it's spectacular. And they opened a Frank Pepe's in Bethesda, not as good as the one in not New Haven. Not as good. It's not bad, though. you got to get it there, though, not yeah, delivered. Oh, yeah. Well, I never take it home. I always – like when I go to Andy's, <clears throat> I order an entire pie, and then I'll eat like a couple of slices there right as soon as it comes out of the yes. oven and then right. take the rest home. But it's – it's excellent. I think it's excellent. I mean, it, it for like you say, for a New York speaking, for a New York style, New York slice, thin crust for here. Yeah. It's excellent. It's yeah. no Joe's. It's no Frank and Pepe's. It's no John's on uh, you know in in the West Village. But right. it's really good for here. That's yes, all. It is, and get it well done yeah. so it's nice and crispy and absolutely. Do you like Wise Guy? I haven't been there yet. Okay, and they're, they're opening one over here in. Um, in Herndon, actually, 
I think. I think Wise Guy's pretty good for a New York slice. You know, two Amy's is not a New York slice, as you know, but it's excellent. And of course, there's always Lido's that we have here for us Marylanders, for we, well, we have one Marylanders. Over here too. We have one over here, actually, five minutes from where I live, over near, you know, near the Reston area. But uh, yeah, Lido's should we do plane crashes? Should we do what? plane crashes before we get to Ted's move? <laughs> Kevin, you're slightly getting off the subject, but I'm happy to do whatever you want to talk about. <laughs> well, we always do this. I mean, we you do. and I have spent on my show over the years, probably in total, <laughs> six hours talking about the most horrific plane crashes in U.S. aviation history because for two reasons, Buck is a pilot, A, B, he, like I have been, for whatever reason, we've been mesmerized by plane crashes, and our favorite show is Air Disasters. I've seen every one of them five times. I've seen every one of them. I watch them every night, even when I've seen them again and again. And I'm back up flying again, by the way. Uh, I know Kevin, you told I'm, me. Uh, out of uh, Leesburg uh, with, uh, with my, 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 I guess you would call her my instructor, because I had to get refreshed. Shelby Clark is her name. She's great. Uh, a UVA grad and very smart and a terrific pilot, and she's been helping me. So, uh, you know, when I last flew, we didn't have GPS or anything like that. It was all these things called VORs and different kind of navigation. Now you have to learn the, the new GPS, the Garmin. It's a Garmin just like you would have in your car, but it's a little more involved. And it's difficult to, to grasp the technology, but she's helping me with that, and that's what I'm working on. Uh, you know what was on, by the way, the other night on Air Disasters? United Airlines Flight 232. So, uh, Sioux City, Sioux City, Iowa. Yeah. Yeah. And Loss you know what? of all hydraulics. That yeah. that guy did an an amazing job. Which he by the way, have you have you I'm sure you've watched the movie Flight with Denzel, right? Oh, the one probably the best crash scene in, in made the most realistic crash scene in made in all movies the second would probably be castaway when that when uh, that fedex plane went down but yeah denzel washington in flight was amazing 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 that, that, where he turned that plane it, upside down to fly inverted it's better than castaway because of the way that he got it after he after he had inverted the plane and then and then flipped it back and they were gliding and that was I don't know how that was shot. By the that way, is that is the move he made actually possible? Is what? The move he made to invert that plane oh. the way he did after the loss of all hydraulics to keep that thing flying without, you know, basically nose diving. Is that actually how you would do it? Well, well, I don't know if that's how you would do it, but <clears throat> yes, you can invert the plane and fly it. Absolutely. I mean, you see that in the slider jets all the time. Uh, you wouldn't do right. it in a commercial airliner unless, in his case, you know, it was the only way you could keep it airborne, which I guess is the only way. I don't know for a fact that you can do that. But you can turn the plane upside down and fly it, absolutely. Uh, but that whole sequence of how he, you know, he was obviously inebriated and, but, and took some yeah. liberties with that plane and punched it through those clouds to get out of that weather, and then, of course, they, they had all the other issues after that. But that was such an incredible flying sequence. Probably, like to say, the most realistic I've seen in any movie. It was really cool. It's, it's such a good movie. All right. Yeah, it's a um, good flick. All right, let's, the way, uh, um, let's get to the topic of the day. So your reaction to, to the two teams, one of which yeah. you called games for for you know 77 years, uh, are moving to Potomac Yard. You are a Virginian, so that started your answer before I, we started to talk pizza. 
Right. And what I was going to say was, Kevin, that, um, you know, when I was young and I'm a little older than you, my parents used to schlep over to Baltimore to see the Bullets, okay? That's where my first interaction with that team came, at the Baltimore Civic Center, when they had Kevin Lockery and Gus Johnson and Wes Unseld and Earl Monroe and Jack Marin and those guys. That's who I grew up with, uh, or at least my my early, my formative years. Uh, So we used to drive to Baltimore. And then after that, we used to drive to the Capitol Center, okay? So a lot of a lot of what you're hearing uh, is uh, with this displeasure about this move. I think are I think are coming from Marylanders who just don't want to come over that godforsaken bridge to get into <laughs> Virginia. And I don't blame them. It's that that construction may not be finished by the time they finish the new arena in Alexandria. That's that that place. That whole area is a nightmare to get across. You know what was the Cabin John Bridge? So yes, right. I used to. So listen. All these Virginia people, we used to go to the Capitol Center to see them play, and we've been going since 1997 to FedEx Field to Maryland to see the commanders play. So <laughs> I'm, I have no, no problem with them moving into uh, Alexandria. Now, look, uh, I also cut my teeth at Verizon Center. I was obviously doing the Wizards games when it opened in 97. In, uh, you know, it started at the Cap Center that year, and then in December it opened in 97 at MCI Center. Uh, so obviously I was there for 22 years and made that trip down there every day. But that area has changed a little bit. While Abe Poland, God rest his soul, revitalized the whole area, it's uh, it's getting a little sketchy down there now. You've got some places that have just closed up, right, uh, that are attached to the arena, and it can be a little uh, scary to walk around there sometimes. Um now, I don't know what it's going to be like in Alexandria, how much better it's going to be, but it's going to be a brand-new facility, obviously. And listen, there are a lot of arenas, Kevin, as you know, that are not right in downtown. Like, look at Philadelphia. That sports yeah. complex is south of the city. It's not in the heart of the city. It's, I don't know, a mile, two miles, three miles down, 95 you know, in the sports complex, and they have all of their sports there, a baseball stadium, a football stadium, and their basketball arena. And those fans don't seem to have any problem driving down there to fill those places up. For years in Detroit, both their football stadium Pontiac. and their basketball arena, the football was in Pontiac, the basketball was in Auburn Hills. And while their teams weren't that great, obviously, you know, people went out there, now they're, now they're downtown. Uh, in most cities, yes, the, the arenas, they make a conscious effort to build the arena or the stadium in the city. And that's a great thing. You know, I think in Miami, they're right down there in the middle of the heart of Miami, uh, Atlanta, right in the middle of that's Atlanta. Your favorite trip. Yeah, that's a good one. Madison Square Garden, obviously right there. Um, you could go on and on and name all these these well, towns. You got to drive fifty built. miles if you live in San Francisco to see the 49ers play to Santa Clara. Yeah, so that's, that's we yeah we've crazy. been doing this for years. Yeah. You know uh, the the Cowboys didn't play in downtown Dallas. The Cotton Bowl was there, but Irving wasn't. Um, well, now they're in yeah. Arlington. They're not in downtown. And now they're in Dallas. Arlington. Now, the, the, the basketball arena is in downtown Dallas. It's right it there. Is. Yeah. yeah, but the but the football and, and of course people are going to. Here's the thing, and I know it's a cliche. <laughs> If you build it, they will come, okay? We, we've heard that before with the movie and everything else. And if the team is successful, you don't think that, that the Capitals That's fans will go there and, 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 and sell that place out? Of course yeah, they will, it, especially if they keep winning. He's going to build a winner. Yeah. Yeah, he just hasn't now, done that. 
if the Wizards somehow, someday turn things around and, and start consistently winning and being competitive, I believe people will go there. Again, it's not like they're going to Potomac Yards. It's not like they're going to Woodbridge. They're going across the bridge to Alexandria, you know, which is right there next to National Airport. So, yeah. Uh, you know, look, uh, I understand people are you're disappointed. I understand you'd like to have an arena and a stadium in your city, in downtown if you can. But this move will – I just hope I don't have to pay more taxes being in Virginia. You know what I'm saying? Well, the state will will, will benefit from some of the tax of revenue that comes. Absolutely, through. yeah. Did, yeah. Did, I, you, did you watch the presser today? I didn't see it, so I don't. I don't have okay. any way to react. I've right. seen some sound bites. I saw Yunkin. I didn't hear what Ted had to say, so I, I, it's hard for me to react to all of that. I was okay. asleep. Kevin. I, it just was. I'm sorry. I was asleep. <laughs> of course you were. On, it was man. nine a.m. Yeah. In fact, I, I didn't here. ask you for earlier. I asked you for noon because I figured you, you know, you'd be up by now. Yeah, but noon barely. Is good for me. Noon is good. <laughs> Um, what do it you is think, true, Kevin? though, that what, – what? What do you think about this move? Does it, you're a Maryland guy. Does it rile you? Does it make you mad? Well, I'm a D.C. guy and have lived in D.C. now for, for three years. But, uh, and I've you know, lived here before, and I've lived in the, the immediate, as you know, the immediate Maryland suburbs. I, I'm sad for D.C. I am. I, what Abe did 25 years ago was a massive risk, and, he, and what he did ended up propelling this city to you know, what it really has become. And I know the last few years there has been decline in many of these areas, but you know, you know, um, neighborhoods like, you know, Logan and the U street corridor and city center and Chinatown, like all these areas, this was Abe inspired, you know, by, by making this incredible move. And on many levels, it's like Ted benefited from, you know, uh, acquiring these teams and having it be in an area that was vibrant and thriving, and now he's bolting. So it's a big blow to the city, uh, and and that's – I'm upset about that. But at the same time, I am sure that if I were in Ted's shoes looking at what this opportunity is compared to the one being offered by D.C., it would probably be hard to say no. But from a consumer standpoint – I've tried to emphasize that that it's further inside the Beltway and closer to downtown Washington than FedEx Field is. Way now the big closer. difference, yeah, much closer. The difference between FedEx and this is that for football games, and I understand the Capital Center, but you know we were a different city then, different traffic patterns, different everything. But most of the FedEx Field Virginia treks to Landover are on Sundays. It's far different. It's a pain in the ass for me. I live in D.C. to get to Capital One for a 7 o'clock tip. So now I'm going to be adding another probably 20 minutes of traffic commute time minimum. Um, and the only way to do it will be to, to, to do it by mass transit, to do it by metro. Yeah, and they have the metro stop right there, which obviously is a key yeah. to this whole thing, just like they have a metro stop at, at Capital One Arena. And don't forget, too, you know, people. a lot of people forget that. The Capitals headquarters is in Boston. Okay, it's in Arlington, it's right, right there. Yeah. So you know that that I'm sure Ted thought about that. And listen, the other thing too, with everybody talking about, well, where's the new football stadium going to go? We'd love for it to be where RFK was, and and I am agree with that. I would love for that to be there because I grew up going to those games at DC Stadium and all of that. But 
don't forget the, the the commanders are in Ashburn. They only go to that stadium like nine or ten times a year. The rest of their time is spent in near Dulles at Ashburn, including where all of those guys live. So a lot of those things are happening in Virginia, and um, and, that, and and so to me it's not so surprising, especially this move with Ted having the, the Capitals headquarters at Boston. It's not so surprising. I'm curious to know, Kevin, what's going to happen to the the thing they just built down I by know. St. Elizabeth. I was just going to ask you about that. I mean, as close as they are to Boston in the Caps thing, they're right across the river from that MedStar place where they practice, which, by the way, for many of the players, must have been a pain in the ass oh, and has to horrible. be a pain in the ass. Horrible. Right? Because you got to deal with the Beltway and 295 oh. and all of that. It's, it's Well, most of them, as you know, live in Bethesda, Potomac, McLean, somewhere in upper northwest D.C. They right. don't... So, it, it, it Chinatown was enough of a trek, but getting to St. Elizabeth's Hospital, basically, yeah. this is not like, I, yeah, what's going to happen with that facility? Well, it's I right across from their new from their new arena now. Yeah, just it's take a, a boat. A good question. Um, what's going to happen to it? Because they're saying that the Mystics now are going to play at Capital One Arena. And right. they were playing at that other facility, and and like you say, that's where the that's where they have all their practice facilities, and now the the Wizards practice facility, and I'm sure the Capitals uh, either will well, Capitals will either stay in Boston or they'll go out to this place in Alexandria, so everything will be there. But yeah, it's a that's a great question because they sunk a lot of money into that to revitalize that area, and uh, we'll see what happens with that. But that is a really good question. All right, um, what else? Uh, we, can you give me 30 seconds to talk about my James Madison University? I mean, really, Kevin? I got a football okay. team and a basketball team ranked in the top 25. I know. I How mean, about that? Tell me, tell me, so, you know, we followed the football thing, you know, uh, during the course of the year. But yep. tell me about this basketball team that I think is still undefeated. They opened with that win in East Lansing, not a neutral floor win against right. Michigan State. By the way, Michigan State is has really fallen on hard times. I mean, they lost to Nebraska the other night. Um, yeah. I actually think they may have an, a, a losing record overall. But tell me about their basketball team. I, the football team, I'm glad they're going to a bowl game. It sucks that they didn't get cleared for a New Year's Six possibility, exactly. et cetera. But tell me, tell me about the basketball team. This is going to be a tournament team. The basketball team is undefeated. They're 9-0. and Now, look, you'll get the argument from people that their strength of schedule, save for the Michigan State game, is you know not like the power teams, and mm-hmm. it really isn't. But then again, Maryland played Alcorn last night, and if you, as Warner Wolf used to say, if you had Alcorn and 39 points, you lost. Yeah, they you won know, by 40. They beat them by 40. So yeah. Madison beat a team the other day. All these teams play these lesser squads because that's just what happens, you know. Uh, JMU played Keystone. We called them the Keystone Cops. They're out of Pennsylvania. They beat them by 71 points. So their basketball team is is good. They've got now. Keep in mind, it's we're still a mid-major school, okay? I mean, the football team's not going to play Clemson and Ohio State and Georgia and Alabama. They get killed. But they're a really good mid-major school, and their basketball team is a good mid-major team. 
we'll see as the season goes on whether they continue to be ranked. Uh, I'm sure they're not going to go through the season undefeated. The football team only played 12 games, and they couldn't go undefeated. But right now they're 9-0. They have some really good, nice players. We talked about this kid, T.J. Bickerstaff, who's Bernie's grandson, grandson which was yeah. re- really cool. And he's a really nice guy. I've gotten to know him and meet him, and he's, he's a good kid. Uh, so they're they're going to be playing the rest of their schedule in obviously their own conference, the Sun Belt Conference. So that's Marshall. Who's and good Appalachian in the Sun Belt? State. Is anybody good? Well, when you say is anybody good, I mean, I mean, again, is anybody threatening top twenty-five, pushing top twenty-five? I don't think so. Will, you know, there, will this about, be a one-bid league or a multiple-bid league? Well, it depends, Kevin, because on Madison. if you. If you have a, a really strong record, like, for instance, Liberty in football, okay, yeah. they went 13-0, and they went undefeated. Right. Their Denton's strength of schedule is, is not great, but you can't ignore an undefeated FBS team. So with JMU, look, if they lose a couple of games, maybe they drop out of the top 25. It's possible. But you're talking about teams in the, uh, the Sun Belt like, you know, uh, App State and Marshall and Louisiana and, and, you know, some of these Old Dominion, obviously, uh, Georgia State, Georgia Southern. So they could go through and have, look, they won 22 games last year. Uh, and so I think that their their basketball team's a nice a nice mid major school. And who did they beat Buck good. in the NCAA tournament? Did they almost beat Jordan's Carolina team? They lost, but right, didn't they have an upset? Or am I thinking about when they almost beat Carolina? You're you're talking about 1980, 81, and 82 when they went to the NCAA tournament three times in a row. This was their coach was a guy named Lou Campanelli who yeah. passed away. They went three times, and they won their first-round game each year, including in 1980. They beat Georgetown in the first round. And then in the second year, they won their first-round game, and that's when they beat and when they played Carolina, who had Jordan, Worthy, and Perkins, Perkins. and they lost by like a point on a controversial yeah. call at the end of the game, a, a block charge call that went against them. And then the third year, they yeah, went to the NCAA tournament. So they went three years in a row. So yeah, they've they've had some successful teams, and that's when they were they were Division One, but they you know, again they right. were a, a small school. I'll never forget. Lefty's first game at Madison, and I went with you because you were calling the game, and I went down to Madison for Lefty's first game as a coach. It would have been, what, 88, 87, something like that? Sounds about right. Um, Steve Hood had transferred from Maryland to James Madison. He was really good. Fess Irvin was a transfer from LSU. Did I get his name right? Correct, and Chancellor Nichols. Yeah, and then one of my then my favorite all time JMU player was Darren McClinton, who I think is still one of the all time uh, leading scorers in Madison history. Darren, of course, the son of the late great middle linebacker for the Redskins, Harold McClinton. Yeah, uh, and Darren's brother Kevin was a great basketball yep. player. My, you know, when I was there, the four years that I was went to school there and did and I did radio those four years. Uh, we had a fellow who I still consider to be the best shooter in the history of the school, a fellow named Sherman Dillard, who, of course, of course. was with Lefty at Long. Maryland. Where is Sherm still on somebody's bench as an yeah. assistant? At Iowa. Oh, yep. we, that's right. That's right. I, he's I, I, he's uh, he, been there for a while. He's, uh, he was an academic All-American, uh, the greatest guy you'll ever meet. 
Natalie dressed all the time, just a terrific guy. We were, we're very good friends to this day. And uh, he was the greatest shooter we ever had. I'll never forget, we went to Memphis State to play them back when they were called Memphis State. And the reason we went was because our athletic director, a fellow named Dean Ehlers, who also passed away, had come from Memphis State. So he arranged that game. And we go down there to play in the Mid-South Coliseum. And Memphis State's in the top ten, okay? That's not and Keith Lee Memphis State. That's you know, No, that's but, before that, yeah. Right. And and here we are, Madison College. We're not even James Madison back in, at the, uh, in those days, and we're down by nine at halftime. Disrespectful to, a, to our, our, our uh, unbelievable. President. And the people yeah. behind me are going, "Who's that number twenty-four? Well, it was Sherman, and he could shoot the lights out. And uh, still, I think the greatest shooter we ever had. And we've had some other ones, Steve Steelper and some other guys. But look, it's a good mid-major. Uh, you know, I was there, Kevin, for game day for ESPN College game day, awesome. which was Incredible. amazing. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, uh, Stanford Steve, who, you know, um, is really, you know, works with Scott and, and Steve's a good friend of mine, said it was one of the, the best games. Said it was we, one of the best game days they've, they've had. It was incredible. Yeah, we stu- he, he actually, he, I went and met him at the, uh, after they got off the air, and he had a field pass, an extra field pass, so we stood on the field together for the first half. Yeah, he's the best. To watch the game. He's a great guy. And, yeah. uh, and, and there was 26,000 people on that quad. It, was, it, was, it really was phenomenal. And then we went out and lost, lost the game. <laughs> what, do, what do you guys say, Duke's up, or what is it when you walk around? It's a beautiful where? school. Um, none of my boys went there, but I think two of them visited, and I went on one of the visits. And I was familiar with it because of – Steve Buckhance's love for Madison over the years, which made all of us love it. And if we didn't, we were fired. Um, (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for getting up and doing this. Appreciate Uh, it. I was up, Kevin, but yes, I appreciate it. Anytime you know that. See ya. Steve Buckhance, everybody. Uh, When we come back, we'll we'll switch topics briefly, um, and then we can end with more calls if you want to jump back on the lines at 301-230-0980. But I found two things on Sam Howell that I don't think we've talked about enough this year. Uh, that's next. Kevin Sheehan Show, the Team 980 and the Team980.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Jumping on with us right now, courtesy of our BetQL guest hotline, is our friend Andrew Brandt, who has been a front office executive of an NFL team for many years and 
is currently the executive director of the Morad Center at Villanova. You can follow him on Twitter at Andrew Brandt. You know, I was just thinking about all of your years in Green Bay. And the big story here, Andrew, today is not, you know, Sam Howell or draft a quarterback, which is odd for us in D.C. Um, it is the move, uh, the likely, very likely move of the Wizards and the Caps out of D.C. four miles south into Potomac Yard in Northern Virginia. But I was thinking about all of your years in Green Bay. Like, people are complaining, oh, I got to drive, you know, it's going to be an extra 20 minutes on the Metro or in rush hour from coming from Maryland. What percentage of Green Bay Packer fans that would be in Lambeau Field on Sunday afternoon lived in Milwaukee versus other was it just everywhere like what was the breakdown of where how long people were traveling to get to those games yeah good morning Kevin I am I'm just seeing the news today about Leonsis and Alexandria where my brother lives literally about 10 minutes from downtown (laughs) people are acting like they're moving to Buffalo um Yeah, Green Bay, if you don't know, they used to play in Milwaukee, and they kept the ticket base there. In other words, there are 10 games a year played at Lambeau. Eight of those games, including preseason, are the Green Bay package. But they left a two-game package for the Milwaukee customers that were used to seeing the Packers come to Milwaukee twice a year. So uh, two of those games every year are quote-unquote Milwaukee games, which is really a good three-hour drive. Uh, So the three hours is no problem for fans, of course. And, you know, being used to the Packers where people drive for days to come see those games and a waiting list of 60 years. So I'm used to that. I think the bigger I want to make sure – hold on. I I may have missed something here, and I want to make sure that I'm not the only one. Yeah. Because I remember when two or three games a year were played in Milwaukee. In fact, it was the the thing that I remember is I'm pretty sure both teams lined up on the same sideline and they were just divided by the 50 yard line. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. But you're talking about today's Green Bay Packers tickets. All of the games are played at Lambeau, they're not played in Milwaukee two, two to three times a year. To yeah. two to three times a year, but that there are two games designated as Milwaukee games, which means all of those Milwaukee season ticket holders get those two games and only those two? Correct. So it's a holdover from what you just talked about. They stopped playing there before my time. I think they stopped playing there in the mid-90s. But they kept the ticket base, and those tickets are only Milwaukee fans that used to go to those games in person in Milwaukee Mm. and a completely different ticket base. So all the people that come to the games with the green Bay package, then there's all the people that come to the games, Milwaukee package, completely different group of people. Uh, It just shows you how much things are are so different there. That's fascinating. I I don't think I I knew that. So let me ask you the two games a year that end up being a completely different, you know, audience at Lambeau. By the way, I would imagine a lot of the Milwaukee package people also go to the other six games and have the Green sure. Bay package as well, right? Yes. Okay. But is it a different crowd? Is it a different behaving crowd? Is it louder? Is it? I mean, is there any difference that fans or or the team can can notice? I can tell you this: as the general counsel of the Green Bay Packers. 
I dealt with many more issues with the Milwaukee crowd than I did the Green Bay crowd. <laughs> and it completely, I'd say 95% dealt with alcohol because they would come up and spend the day or the weekend, or we often, we often had night games for the Milwaukee package. Um, and all day. it was tough. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's sort of stereotyping it, but it's just something different with the Packers that a lot of people don't know about all these different things with the Packers. I will tell you this in light of the Leonsis news today out there. Um, I was involved heavily in our renovation and this was just kind of at the beginning of cities and municipalities giving money for movement. Listen, I went door to door for the most football crazy populace, perhaps in the world, we barely passed right. a sales tax in our own county of half a percent to pay for this renovation, which at that time was huge at $300 million. Now you can't renovate for less than half a billion and you can't build for less than three, four billion. Um, so, you know, Leonsis and his group have a long road to hoe. It's a great to have this announcement. And what's really great, as you know, is that he could leverage D.C., Maryland and Virginia, as Josh Harris will do. But it's a long road to get people to sort of agree to this. We'll see. What would have happened, Andrew, if the half, you said a half percent sales tax, what if it hadn't passed? Yeah. We don't have an owner in Green Bay. We right. You're publicly traded. What's called cash reserves, kind of a big rainy day fund uh, that the Packers have that comes out of all our, you know, our P&L statement. And it would have had to come out of there. We did not go heavy on what every municipality, what every team does, which is if this doesn't pass, you never know, we could move. I don't think anyone would have taken us seriously, but you never know. I didn't think anyone took Buffalo seriously before they got $800 million this year. Right. I don't think people took Nashville seriously before they got a billion dollars, but it happens. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I mean, where would I mean would Milwaukee have come up with the money? Um, I I just I don't remember any of the details of this. I'm just it, it's fascinating to me. A, a town without an owner, it's publicly traded. You ha, you've had a team president and our you know our Super Bowl yeah. champion safety Mark Murphy forever. Like who yeah. would have even made that call? I mean, what would have happened at worst? Shareholders, I guess. We would have continued to play, and I don't know how many people listening even remember, pre-2001, it was kind of a bandbox. When I got to Green Bay, I'm like, this is where the Packers play? I mean, really like a high school field, and not as good as high school fields in Texas and Pennsylvania. I mean, it, <laughs> it was like, wow, this is where the famed Green Bay Packers play? So it would have maybe continued on that or a much, much um, smaller renovation. Yeah, interesting. Um, all right, well, so the the story of the day is this, and as it relates to the football team, there are many of us that believe now that our mayor, Mayor Bowser, and the D.C. City Council uh, won't want to be left with just one pro sports team in town, that being the Nationals, and that this may benefit 
Josh Harris and even give him some leverage because they'll be really hungry to keep them uh, in D.C. Um, you have followed this story from afar, and it's you know it's 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 a a home story for you as well. Somebody who grew yeah. up and went to high school here locally. Um, what do you think? Uh, you think this is is a good day for Josh Harris and the prospect of the Commanders ending up at the RFK site? Well, two things. I think it could be because, as what you said, with D.C. feeling like they better hold on, uh, although I see that Mayor Bowser has said they're not giving up on this and they're going to try to renovate Capital One Arena, et cetera. But on the other hand, Virginia's probably out. So so they've lost the leverage of three, and now they have the leverage of two, meaning Maryland and D.C. Listen, Josh Harris obviously is highly leveraged on this purchase. I continue, and I'm in this world. This is my expertise. I continue to marvel at that purchase price. And I've shared with you, and I've shared with all my friends back there, that is astounding. And it, it's not like Josh Harris has the money. He's leveraged. He's bringing in investors. I've told you this story that a friend of mine got a prospectus and calls me up and says, hey, Andrew, they want about $100 million, and all I get is good tickets. Yeah, I know. I've, <laughs> see, I've like, seen yep. the book, too. I saw the book, I'm too. Like, I know. I said, so welcome to NFL ownership. <laughs> um, so this is something where I don't know how much money he's got left for a stadium. So I guess he's going to be looking for a huge public investment in whatever building they end up with. Listen, I'm not saying Josh Harris is hurting for money. I'm just saying when you leverage that much, when you maybe go into this five years ago thinking you're going to spend three to four billion and you spend twice that, you're going to be looking for some help. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up, though, because I've mentioned that many times because this has been a dismal season for this yeah. team. Uh, I mean, it's not just four and nine, but they've lost to the Giants twice who were terrible when they played them, the Bears on Thursday night. They've gotten outscored the last two games, 90 to 25, Andrew. It's been it's been one of the worst actual on-field seasons, and they've got plenty to choose from over the last yeah. 25 years. And there's been some you know push on Josh Harris to have already fired Ron Rivera. And, uh, you know, and I'm like... No one else was willing to spend $6 billion to take Dan out. And what would you prefer? Would you prefer Dan was still here? Like for for I think for if you look at it sort of on a macro level, this has been a Super Bowl season for Washington Washington fans because you actually have a chance with Dan gone now. Um and so for me, yeah. the honeymoon period here is pretty extended for Josh Harrison company. I don't put this season on them at all. Yeah. And listen, a couple of things. I'm not a scout. You know, my expertise is the business of football, but I've watched this Sam Howell. I like him. I mean, I, I like what I've seen. I went to the game against the vaunted Eagles where frankly, the Washington should have won that game. Yeah. Um, he, you know, he, when you look at the, the morass out there, of the Mac Joneses and the Zach Wilsons who are very, very high picks and whoever else is out there, you know, this kid's got a chance from my point of view. Like I kind of like him, like his moxie is like his ability seems to have leadership. So there's the most important part. 
And if they get this high pick, they don't need to use it on a quarterback. They can build the team. They can auction it for a team that wants a quarterback. Um, on the so on the field on the on the building the team side, that looks good. I think they got good draft picks at trading those defensive ends. Um, so we'll see. But he's not going to fire the coach before the end of the season, and you know we'll see what happens after. All right, uh, last one, and I appreciate you being flexible this week. Um, th- th- there's a story out there that, that Kraft has made up his mind on Bill Belichick. A, do you agree? And then B, what do you think happens next with Bill? I think, you know, like Brady, like my experience with Brett and then Aaron, sometimes it's just time. I think a lot of people listening can, can, can relate to this. This, frankly, was me you know, leaving the Packers. Sometimes it's just time. And you feel like it's it's kind of been time in New England for that separation. I think it will happen. And I think they will hold on for a draft pick. I don't think they'll fire him. I think this will be like a Sean Payton trade. I have no idea how much, you know, for a 70-something-year-old coach you can get, but it'll it'll be something. They're not just going to let him go. But I think there'll, there'll be a separation, yes. Thank you for doing this, as always. Hope you're well. Same to you, Kevin. Andrew Brandt, everybody. All right, I'll finish up with what I had mentioned um, prior to Andrew jumping on with us. It was just a couple of numbers on Sam Howell that I don't think we've talked enough about. That's next. Kevin Sheehan, show the Team 980 and the Team 980.com. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Busy day here, significant day here. Uh, we will continue to, you know, watch this story and see if this non-binding, still able to negotiate with DC, leads to anywhere. But it certainly feels like that the Caps and Wizards will be moving to Northern Virginia, Potomac Yard. Uh, by the way, many of you said, "When will this happen?" And I don't think I have mentioned it. I read from the Post story. Uh, I don't think I mentioned it though. I mean, there's the possibility that they'll start playing there in 2028, Um, so five years from now, maybe sooner. We'll see. So I found a couple of things that I wanted to just mention. There was so much after uh, being off yesterday um, unexpectedly, but that I wanted to mention just about uh, the football on on Monday night. Those were two incredible Monday night games, Um, and just an unbelievable comeback by Tennessee. Uh, one of the all-time best comebacks. I mean, it's the first time in like 760-some-odd NFL games that a team is trailed by 14 points with less than three minutes to go, and they won the game. They also went for the two on the down-eight situation, which seemingly never works and never pays off, but it actually uh, did on Monday night. But I found a couple of things um, uh, that I wanted to just share with you. I was going to do this yesterday. So... First off, in this is a problem with Sam Howell. Uh, actually, both are problems. One of not of his doing. Um, he ranks twenty first in the NFL in play action throws, 
given the number of attempts he has, which is more than anybody in the league, that is not the way, in retrospect, I would have preferred the offensive coordinator to design the offense around. I mean, play action, and by the way, their play action is rarely under center where you turn the back to the defense, which really sells play action more, so much more than than shotgun play action does. Um, why? Well, because the defense can see the ball. You know, Cooley used to explain that to us, that play action from under center is much more effective than play action in shotgun because the defense loses sight of the football because the quarterback turns his back to the to the defense, whereas in shotgun, the defense sees the ball the entire time, so it becomes less effective play action. But 21st in play action, I kind of, in watching Sam Howell, I'd love to love to see what he would look like with a run game and a boot and a play action um, married passing game to that running game. So that was a that was unbelievable. I did not think with all of the pass attempts that he'd be 21st in the league in play action attempts. And then the other number, I know that each week when we come in here and we do the breakdown of the previous game, I've at least on in half the game said. Man, he you know uh, he gets a lot of balls deflected, gets a lot of balls batted down, leads the league in batted balls. Of course, he's thrown more than anybody else, but he's number one in balls batted at or behind the line of scrimmage with 17 on the season. Um, and uh, you know Trevor Lawrence is actually second. They pointed that out that Trevor Lawrence gets a lot of batted balls for a taller quarterback. Um, and then you've got smaller quarterbacks like Baker Mayfield, Gardner Minshew, who kind of come into play uh, next. Um, anyway, all right. Uh, I'm sure there will be more on this tomorrow, and we will also start to get to some football uh, tomorrow as well. All right, that's it for the day. Chris Russell next. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.